It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoe shined up, boy. Boy. Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. Drop your cocks and grab your socks, boy. Boy. Fetch my rotten crop, boy. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtra on the podcast. I am an actor extraordinaire. 18 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. And I'm still in love. You know? What motherfucker, what kind of fucking moron does a job for like 18 years is in love with it? What kind of moron does that? When was the last time you saw some moron who did a job that long and was still in love? Doesn't happen that often, right? And, uh, yeah, I'm still loving it. And I've been thinking recently about when I caught the bug. Now, uh, not to say that actors don't catch many types of bugs, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But when I first caught the performing bug, uh, it was like grade nine. I did like this little independent film with a couple buddies and it was really fun and I was like, oh wow, that's cool. Let's get going in this acting career. So then I go to high school and I have to say, I was a success. Smash hit on um, high school stages. Like I was a high school fucking drama club star. Like I was. Like, um... You know, like, I got the lead in several high school productions. And, you know, as a young actor, it can be a pretty intense time. Like, it can be a very, um, I guess, pressure-filled journey as a young high school star of, like, a, a production. So I'm the star of the high school play, and I felt like the world was on my shoulders, like... They splashed my face all over the high school newspaper, right? Like, Jonathan Ramtram starring in the high school production of, um, what the fuck was it? Is there a doctor in the house? It was like just some stupid fucking play about this town and a doctor and some hick shit, right? It was like some fucking Western hick shit. Somehow I get the lead role, right? And the pressure was mounting. I'm on the fucking cover of the fucking high school newspaper. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't know I was in the drama club. Like, I just thought I was in the play. I didn't know that meant I was in the drama club. So the pressure's mounting, you know, and I think this kid in my math class, he was like a reviewer, like a reviewer for the play. He was going to be at the opening night review for the high school play, right? So I'm in the high school newspaper and, you know, pressure's mounting and the word, there was a buzz, right? Like the, the word on the street was like, there was like a there was quite a considerable buzz like an interest like I guess in the teachers lounge like in the teachers lounge like the teachers were talking about it right oh the high school musical the high school plays opening tonight and you know you know the, the teachers lounge they're talking about it I'm on the high school newspaper the pressure's mounting I'm in grade 11 I'm 16 years old I got homework up the ass I got a part-time job I think I was babysitting too I think I had to babysit my little brother you know and I was just starting to learn how to drink and smoke pot and chain smoke cigarettes so like it was very pressure filled and I had a bit of a fucking onset breakdown I'm like I can't fucking handle it I can't fucking do it I can't do it and something something happened I just snapped and I, I didn't think I could do it and the drama coach uh, our drama coach uh, Mr. Uh, H, 
I don't want to drop names. Mr. H. What a fucking dude. He was so cool. Everybody loved him. He was like that weird older uncle, you know? And he always had that raspy, kind of sarcastic, sardonic way of talking, right? And he'd be like, Morning, Ramcharan. How's it going, Ramcharan? Hey there, buddy. So he had like a real kind of a weird, kind of sarcastic, sardonic kind of nature to him. But he was just really endearing to all the uh, kids. And, you know, he was just a great... One of the best drama coaches I ever had, right? Real good drama coach. So anyways, you know, I'm having my little hissy fit. I'm having my breakdown, right? I'm like, I can't take it. I don't know if I can fucking do... I can't... I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I can do the play. Ram Tram, listen to me. Ram Tram, you know, there's a lot of people counting on you. We've come this far. But, you know, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. You know, it's like... And I don't know if you can relate, but if you if you've ever been in the high school newspaper, if you ever had like a drama club depending on you, it could be pretty fucking daunting. It could be pretty pressure filled. It was like a pressure cooker. And I'm just like, you know, in my understudy, <laughs> my understudy, uh, the dude who was like going to step in and take over the role if I if I wasn't able to perform my understudy. You should have seen this motherfucker's eyes. They just lit right up, right? That's, that's showbiz for you, right? You can drop dead and all your colleagues would be like, oh, yes, one step closer to fame. <laughs> so my understudy, my understudy, he's licking his lips. His eyes are lit up. You know, the drama coach, you know, he's like, well, Jonathan, if you can't make it, then do what you got to do. But, you know, you know, I believe you can do it, but you're going to be letting a lot of people down. But do what you got to do, right? So I'm like, oh, shit, right? So I'm outside the gym, right? Or I'm was I at the library? I'm out, I'm outside the high school library, right? I'm having a smoke. I'm thinking about it, right? I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. You know what? The show must go on. So somehow I fucking summoned up all my thespian powers, everything that was like raw and talent in me, and I went out there and I destroyed. I destroyed. And you know, um. Me and the cast, we went up there and we destroyed. We fucking put on one hell of a production. The drama coach was cheering us on. The fucking, you know, all of us were just, it was like an electric production. Everything came together. And like the grade 10s, the grade 11s, they fucking, they loved it. They were fucking clapping and cheering. It was such a good, you know, the re- we got a good review too in the high school newspaper. Uh, the guy, The guy in my math class... He saw it and he fucking loved it. And I think we got a good review. And um, oh, yeah, we heard that in the teacher's lounge. The teachers were talking about it and they fucking loved it. And, you know, and, and then I think the next the next episode or the, sorry, the next edition of the high school newspaper, it was like, you know, um, Jonathan Ramtran, actor extraordinaire, makes his big debut in, um, you know, high school production of um, high school production of Is There a Doctor in the House was a smash and, you know, I can relate to, like, you know, the fucking, you know, the the actors of the world in Hollywood that have these big fucking breakdowns. And, you know, it, it's not easy. It's not easy when you got the public in your face and there's a lot riding on you. You can really feel that pressure to deliver because it's more than just a job. It's like your, it's your, it's your... Per, it's your essence. It's your, it's your heart and soul on the line. 
And I'm telling you, when I was, I almost got kicked out of the drama club. My world was turning upside down. I'm like, I'm going to quit the drama club. I'm just going to go back to babysitting and doing whatever the fuck I had to do to get through grade 11. And, but somehow I got the strength to pull it together and go on. And that's the struggle and the struggle and tribulation of every actor. They got to find that strength within. And I'm glad I had that little on-scene breakdown early in my acting career. And going forward, um, I just have the love and the drive that, um, you know, I learned back in those drama club days. And, you know, I'm just going to keep rocking with it. Happy hallelujah. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. I am also a alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah. Two years 11 months of sobriety. If you should need recovery in your life, ladies and gentlemen, please do seek it out. Um, What I did was I joined a 12-step program. You know, I could have used it back in my drama club days, come to think of it. That's when I started drinking. But anyways, what I did was, what worked for me was I joined a 12-step program. And that's nothing official. That's like, um, you know, it's a society of people that meet up on various different nights of the week. You can go every day. You can go once a week. It's up to you. And you meet up at these meetings and you share in your issues with recovery and you can hear other people share on their issues. And day by day, those days add up and you find yourself in a new day. And you have strength of community because um, part of being an alcoholic is it's isolating and um, it's very, you know, f- yeah, that's one of the main factors is it's isolating. So you isolate and you drink and you do this and you do that. Going to these meetings helps you share and get out those issues and talking. It's like talk therapy, group therapy, and it really works. It worked for me. And one thing I've been thinking about lately, um, we have many slogans in recovery And one of them is, but for the grace of God. Yes. But for the grace of God. Um, But for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here recounting my tales of high school drama. I wouldn't be here recounting my tales of um, alcoholism. But for the grace of God. God kept me safe. My higher power kept me safe in all my debauchery. So many times I zigged when I should have zagged, or rather, um, I dodged a bullet. So many times I got off the hook by the skin of my teeth, and but for the grace of God. Because, you know, some people in addiction, in alcoholism, they never get it. They never get it. They go through a lifetime of alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever the addiction. They go through that pain their entire life and they never get it. And recovery doesn't require you to believe in a higher power, a God. Nobody's particularly interested in your belief system. It's more so a God of your choosing. So... But for the grace of God, I would never have came to this point, you know? 
And the grass always looks greener on the other side. Look at all these performers, for example, as I am a performer. Not to compare myself, not on the same level, not on the same whatever, but just, to com- but just, as, a, just as a comparison in the world of performing. The grass always looks greener on the other side and we're always wanting this, wanting that. Well, look at the pain and the cost, you know? Look at the fucking Jimi Hendrixes, the Janis Joplins, the Kurt Cobains, the Amy Winehouses, the the uh, Jim Morrisons. Look at these people passing away at the age of 27. They had the world by the fucking balls. They had the world by the pussy hairs and passed away 27 years old but for the grace of God I didn't have to go down that route and you know I don't know you know I don't I don't think about yesterday I don't worry too much about tomorrow I got today hallelujah I got today and it's like there ain't no there ain't no past, future, it's like the present, and that's what I got, I got the present, and, um, but for the grace of God, I've also been alleviated from all the obsession, the mental obsession of alcoholism, it's something that I don't even think about, the main time when I think about alcoholism is when I'm thinking about how to discuss it on the podcast, aside from that, I can go and live a very Alcohol-free, sober, blessed life. And, uh, but for the grace of God, because I ain't no fucking brain surgeon, rocket scientist, fucking smartass. Like, I was given a gift of recovery. And so many people have that gift available to them as well. Just reach out and take it. Look under the Christmas tree, idiot. It's there for you. (laughs) And never mind the idiot thing. You know how sensitive alcoholics are, right? We also have a saying where it's like, um, you know, everybody feels, but alcoholics seem to feel more than most. (laughs) Everything's more than most for the alcoholic. You don't get it. I deal with it harder. We deal with it harder. We're sensitive people. And uh, so, hey, um, know that you can be a part of a community that cares about you and you can have a home in recovery regardless of what you believe, regardless of what your past is. Um, you can have a recovery. Um, you can have a real recovery and you can have a home with us. So um, there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. Yep, I'm talking urinals, toilets, uh, garbage bins, recycle bins, organic waste bins, paper recycle bins. I'm talking sweeping parking lots. I'm talking mopping floors. I'm talking washing windows, dusting, you know, the whole shebang. I'm a janitor, baby. Very grateful for it, you know. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. I'm a motherfucking janitor, you know. And it facilitates my recovery, Keeps me busy, keeps me twiddling my thumbs so I don't go fucking mental. Keeps a paycheck in my back pocket so I can pay for all the shit that I need to be a thespian actor, you know. Um, And uh, it keeps me in the game of acting. Yes. Because um, 
expenses come up. You got to be able to shook and jive. You got to be able to um, compete. And competition needs funding. And uh, very blessed to do so. But talk about taking your work home with you. Holy Jesus. Sorry, Jesus. You know I love you. Holy smoly. Talk about taking your fucking work home with you. Like, fuck. Yesterday, I get home from work. I've been pushing a fucking mop bucket. Mopping floors all day. You know? Fucking emptying garbage bins, right? Pushing my garbage trolley. Fucking, um, you know, washing windows. You know? Fucking busting my hump. You know, all fucking day. Talk about taking your work home with you. So as soon as I get home, I'm like, I better clean my bathroom. It just, I felt like, um, it just felt like time. I'm like, "Eh, it's getting a lot out of control. It's time to clean the bathroom. Time to do some chores. So I'm bent over, fucking scrubbing a toilet, you know, mopping a floor. You know, but, um, you know, it's just one of those fucking things. You take your work home with you. Same thing as an actor, you know. It's like you're never really off as an actor and when I say that I mean like yes I'm off like I'm not the performer that's on all the time this persona this performance the the alive performing factor of being a performer that intensity I turn that off when it's time to turn it off like when I'm when I'm out and about in my daily life I'm pretty low-key not too animated and um so you know, but you do take your work home with you. It's it's a thing that's always on my mind, performing. How can I better myself? How can I push ahead? It's always on my mind. The work is always coming home with me. Same thing as a janitor hunched over a fucking sink washing dishes yesterday. Like, what the fuck, man? I gotta go fucking push a broom all fucking day. You know, mop bucket, slop bucket, cleaning like an asshole all fucking day. That'll bring this home with me. But hey, you know, it's the price of... um responsibility, accountability, and uh, (laughs) just kind of funny, man, it's just like, you know, when you wake up at the crack of dawn, to like fucking, you know, clean a toilet, it's kind of funny to end your day doing the same thing, right, but it's all good, makes a man out of you, or a woman, or whatever, you know, it makes a human being out of you, right, a fully realized person, so it's all good, baby, 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 but I've been dealing with, uh, you know, some real miserable people lately at work. And what I think it is, is it's that time of year. It's like um, the end of, uh, it's like towards the end of the year, last quarter, right? And uh, final quarter, 2019. And you can see that people are stressed. There's just like a stressful kind of vibe. And one real helpful thing to remember during this time of year, if you're a working person, a working Joe, a working stiff, if you're one of those assholes like me, one thing to remember is um, your co-workers are not necessarily your friends. Realize that. They're not necessarily your friends. They're human beings. And um, just remember that. Try not to take it so personally. Because um, it's just obvious. Because I've been getting, I've been catching hell. Like little, when I say catching hell, I'm just exaggerating. But it's been a lot of snippy, little passive aggressive, little remarks, dumb little encounters with people, attitudes and shit. 
And it's all under the umbrella of year, year end stress, the end of the year stress. And just, I could tell just stupidity, stupidity that I don't even feel like um, recounting. Um, if you're new to the show, um, you can dip back a couple episodes. There's always a, there's always, not always, but, um, in my track record of this show, I do a pretty good job, um, recounting various work situations. And this morning, I just don't even feel like it. You know, it's like fucking 421 in the AM Eastern Standard Time. And not that that means anything other than this morning, I'm just not feeling like getting into the nitty gritty of it. Just the learning point and the point at hand is that if you're a working person, just remember you got coworkers that are miserable. <laughs> they say stupid shit. It doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It's like they're so bipolar in their fucking. Like, do you ever have that coworker that's just so up and down with you? Where it's like one minute they're your best friend, they're cracking jokes and diddly duh, and next minute they're at your throat. What the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, it's just such a fucking Jekyll and Hyde kind of fucking bullshit that happens with coworkers because they're not your friends. The vast majority of them. We're people doing our best in these situations where we have to earn a living and you come into contact with so many people. Some people you're going to make friendships with, connect with. Other people, they're just your coworker, and you can't take it any more seriously than that. And so when you got this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde persona with these people, just realize that it's nothing personal because it's just a facade. It's just like we're a bunch of people stuck together trying to make it through the day, trying to get home to our loved ones, trying to get on with our lives. And if you can't connect with everybody, so be it. You can be civil. And when people act out that way, you don't need to take it personally. Let me be your little cheerleader today. Rah, 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 rah. Give me an F. Give me a U. Give me a C. Give me a K. Give me O F F. What does that spell? Fuck off. Fuck off. You know? Don't take any shit either, though. Don't be like a punching bag to these morons. But, like, you can't take it personally, though. And um, I think that's valuable to remember because it's so easy to get swept up in office place politics, bureaucracy. It's so easy to fill in the blank. I mean, sure, I can give you a quick example. Why not? It is fun. So, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor. And... um. We had an emergency. All hands on deck. There was a flood. There was a flood in the fifth floor, um, the men's and women's bathroom. So I get the mop bucket and I and I, I fucking hump it. I leg it up to the fifth floor, right? I got the mop bucket. And I dunk the mop in the mop water. And I'm mopping the floor, right? So I'm mopping the floor. And I'm talking shit, pissed, like tampons. It was a fucking nightmare. I was so fucking nauseous from the overflow of horror that I saw that day that I couldn't even eat lunch. I'm telling you. Like, I was nauseating. It was like, I'm still suffering. I got PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, I'm telling you. Have you ever seen a backed-up, overflowed toilet of all sorts of bric-a-brac, fucking, you know, sewer clutter? you would fucking feel the same way. 
So I have PS- PTSD to this day. Like I, I'm feeling a little nauseous even talking about it. Sorry, folks. Hate to be, get so graphic, but we had a fucking code red backed up toilet. So I'm there in my glory. And there's a maintenance man, a maintenance worker. And his job is to, you know, I guess, provide maintenance to the, uh, yeah, maintenance. You know, he, he can fix the toilet, un- unclog the toilet. He provides the maintenance. I provide the cleanup. So he's not my boss. He's not my coworker, but we work together. He's obviously in a shit mood. And I arrive, I arrive at the scene of the crime, right? I arrive at the crime scene and I got the mop bucket and he goes, okay, buddy. Um, okay. Um, you got a mop there and you got a mop here and you got a mop there. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to go over there and mop. He's telling me where I have to go and mop when I'm already there to mop with a mop talking down to me like a fucking idiot, like just basically dressing me down. In front of like, um, it's an office building, right? So like, there's all sorts of people in their offices, right? And they can hear, they can see everything, right? You gotta go mop there, do this, blah, blah. And it's like, what the blood clot, bumba clot fuck do you think I'm doing here? You fucking retard. Like, if you see a man holding a mop, and then you go, you need to mop. How stupid are you? What the fuck do you think I'm there to do, you fucking moron, right? So I'm just looking at him, right? And I'm just giving him the death stare because, again, like I said, you don't want to get so personal about it. Like, I'm giving him the death glow. I'm giving him the death stare because, you know, don't talk down to me, buddy. Like, I'm a fucking 32-year-old man. All right? Like, who the fuck are you talking to? The other day, this dude goes, um... You know, he's a nice guy, right? But it's kind of funny. It's like, it's like people sometimes are so oblivious. He goes, he always says this to me, this dude, this, this is a different guy. This is some other office dweller, some office dweller. Every now and then he sees me, right? And he goes, oh, good morning, young man. Good morning, young man. He's always saying that. How are you doing today, young man? Oh, hi there, young man. Young man? I'm 32 fucking years old. You know? I could fuck any grown woman in your family, buddy. What are you talking about, young man bullshit? I'm grown. I's grown, motherfucker. And I understand I am a young man. and uh, But sometimes, you know, that's the risk you run when you get too personal with people and you take things personally. So that bonehead really had my fucking blood boiling. You're going to mop here? You're going to mop there? And I'm, while I'm mopping. And, um, but you know what? I gave him the death glow, gave him the death stare. And, you know, pretty much let him know in no uncertain terms. Like, you could tell eventually he kind of clued in. But even then, things were a little bit awkward. And things were awkward for a day or two every time I'd bump into him. Like in in the hallway or in the elevator, I'd bump into the dude and it'd be kind of awkward. But it's like, you know, don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. Static. No, static. Static. 
Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Don't start no static. You know, there won't be nothing. And anyways, we got over it. But, you know, it's very important for myself, and I think it's valuable for people to realize or remember that these aren't situations we need to necessarily take personally. You're just dealing with the dumbest of the dumb sometimes. Truly, truly, like mankind is a stupid fucking organism. And there's only a select few of us that actually do anything. The rest of us are just hanging on with our fucking social insurance numbers and our credit cards, <laughs> you know, and our fucking driver's licenses. And the rest, you know, it's like we're just these dummies that hang around to clog up space and, um, you know, serve as worker ants, more or less, right? <laughs> and maybe I'm one of them, who knows? But the point is, there ain't no need to take things so damn personally. And... That's the point that I'm trying to remember going forward. So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, I am. Uh, what we got going here? Ten years of service coming into my 11th year as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I was thinking about this um, gig that, that I had done a few years back. Me and my buddy, uh, me and my buddy JP, another funny comedian, uh, we were doing this gig at this fucking, it was like in Edmonton, Alberta. And we walk into this bar, it's like a bar gig. Me, JP, and um, this other dude, Ferris. Ferris was like a Middle Eastern dude. I think he was like Iranian or Afghani. Ferris, real cool dude, real kind of political dude, kind of quiet and, I don't know, he just liked comedy and he was always hanging out amongst the comics at that time. So, JP, myself, and Ferris, um, we go into this fucking bar for this bar gig. This is like, you know, a couple years into my comedy game and, you know, I'm stand-up comic for like maybe a year or two or something and I'm just shit-faced, right? I'm sitting at the bar and going out for cigarettes here and there and, you know, I'm just sitting at the bar waiting for the show to begin. So then I, I just kind of notice this real kind of like, okay, like punk rock has a certain sound to it. You know, there's like that punk pop, which is like Blink-182 type of stuff. Um, you know, um, The Offspring, kind of melodic, fun, poppy, you know, rock pop. Like, you know, it has a kind of a warmer kind of sound to it. Then there's this other style of punk, which is kind of like very straight, like, you know, like real kind of straight, like fucking real Aryan nation type of sound to it, right? Different kind of a sound, right? So I hear this real like aggressive punk music that kind of, I don't know, it's just there's something about it had a tinge of hate, right? And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, but I'm drunk, right? I'm sitting there and I'm you know, I got. You know, I'm thinking about going out for a cigarette, and I'm kind of looking around the bar, and I noticed a couple of dudes like in leather jackets, dark Doc Martin boots, spiky hair. You know, crew cuts, bald. You know, real wholesome looking specimens. They're lurking in the corner, and they're they're playing this fucking punk music. I'm paying no attention to it. I'm like, 
you know, I'm right, I, you know, I'm going over my dick jokes, you know, I think I was going to be making fun of pumpkin pie or something, maybe it was Thanksgiving, I was going over my jokes and shit, and um, JP's on stage, and, you know, he's, he's kind of getting into it with these dudes, right, but I'm, I'm kind of spaced out, I'm drunk, right, I'm like, uh, I'm kind of like sitting there like, what, and then um, all of a sudden JP comes off stage, and he goes, ah, Johnny, ah, I think we should go, <laughs> it's like, what, ah, yeah, Johnny, let's go. So I was like, uh, okay. So then me, JP, and Ferris, we hightail it out of there. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, uh, Johnny, uh, those were Nazis. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, we were at a Nazi bar. I was like, what? So I'm sitting there just clued out oblivious. Like, I show up. We're playing a Nazi bar. I would have liked to have gone up. It would have been fun, but... You know, I apparently I had to run for my life. I didn't even know my life was in danger. And it was just such a random little gig. And um, Ferris, the Iranian dude, uh, or the Afghani Middle Eastern dude, he he was like, um, apparently he got like accosted by the ATM machine. I didn't even notice. I was so drunk. I was just like, I don't know. I was just, I didn't, you know what I mean? You don't even know what kind of den of danger you can stumble into sometimes in life, right? Nazi bar. <laughs> we came to inflict joy. <laughs> they were there to tear it down. <laughs> we bring love and peace. We bring murder and hey, I'm Fucking Nazis. We even went back the next day and we're like bitching at the bartender. And I was so stupid and drunk at the time. It's like, you don't even know when you're being insulted when you're drunk. We go back and we're like, what the fuck, man? We get booked for this gig and we, we turn out it's a Nazi bar. What the fuck? And um, I wound up buying the manager a shot of alcohol and we all did a shot. And I thought about it. I'm like, why the fuck would you go back and buy somebody a shot of alcohol as a peace offering it's just the diluted state of the alcoholic where it's just like you're so blind to disrespect you're so blind to your own self disrespect and disrespect from others and but for the grace of god i have clear eyes nowadays it's like oh i can understand that it's a bad idea to drink with a nazi sympathizer you know what the fuck was i buying that manager the bar owner why would i buy him a drink as a peace offering, like, offering, like, oh, fuck yourself indefinitely, buddy. But, uh, I don't know. Got me thinking about that for some reason the past couple days. And, um, you know, going forward, always, as always, working harder, da 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 blah, 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 blah. YouTube. YouTube specials are popping and banging, man. I saw a great one the other day. Um, I don't want to give a shout-out because I'm just not at that point in my career to, like, I don't want to talk on other comedians like um, good or bad. I try not to. And um, he put out a very great special on YouTube the other day. I checked it out. It was awesome. It looked great. It was very funny. And it really served the purpose of, as a comedian, putting your work out there. So um, I definitely hit the, the like button. So I gave the dude a like anyways. And um, But I don't want to be saying names and shit and you know, getting ahead of myself, so, but YouTube, comedy specials, what a great uh, opportunity, 
Sink or swim, baby. It's in your hands. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan. Actor. Alcoholic. Janitor. Stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is a little addendum from last episode. I had mentioned the uh, the pipeline, the uh, the crude oil pipeline um, that uh, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Thank you, everybody. I wear blackface. I, I I I smear crude oil on my face in blackface. Justin Trudeau. Um, our fearless leader Justin Trudeau, um, the liberal leader of Canada, approved this pipeline expansion. And I had called it the um, Transatlantic Pipeline. And um, that's a fucking... I don't know where I pulled that name out of. It's actually the Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion. Uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And that's the, um, that's the name of the pipeline. So that's just a little addendum. And a little information on this pipeline. Um, the Trans Mountain Pipeline System, or simply the Trans Mountain Pipeline, is a pipeline that carries crude and refined oil from Alberta to the coast of British Columbia. Uh, British Columbia, Canada. Trans Mountain Pipeline System and Trans Mountain Expansion Project, TMX, um, are part of the Trans Mountain Corporation, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Canadian Development Investment Corporation, CDIC. Um, yeah, so this pipeline expansion, uh, the pipeline has been in use since 1953. And it's the only pipeline to run between these two areas, Alberta, British Columbia. And um, the expansion project, I think, is going to go into Alaska, I think. I don't want to speak too far on it, but it's a... It's a way of transporting this crude oil to the States, I believe. And here I am again talking out of turn. But it doesn't matter. The bottom line is I don't have to be a fucking thespian uh, psychologist, psychologist, scientist. I don't have to be a fucking environmental scientist to fucking tell you. Global warming. Yeah. Um... The environment, it's a big concern in this day and age. We're at the cusp of uh, no return. We're at the brink of no return. So it's just a stupid band-aid solution that the uh, liberal government has done to approve this expansion project, which in to my mind is to, um, I don't know, basically it's an expansion project to expand the boundaries of the pipeline. Wherever that, whatever that means. And doing that, it's basically investing in crude oil to invest in this, um, this, this dirty energy. And we're trying to get to a greener, um, greener energy in this time, in this day and age, right? So it's a real step backwards, real backwards thinking in my mind. And, um, you know, anyways, I wanted to make that addendum because last, last episode I called it the, uh, Transatlantic. It's like it's actually the different ocean too, right? Pacific, I guess. It's on the the west coast. But anyways, the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. I don't know. 
We've got to step up to the times, man. The times are calling for radical change with the environment. We need to be with that time. It's getting to the point where people are so in denial of global warming. Like, fuck, man. This past week has been some of the most beautiful fall weather I've ever experienced. Fairly sunny, fairly bright days, warm weather, 10 degrees, 11 degrees. We're in the first week of November and it's been like plus 10, plus 11. And people are such global warming deniers, man. All week people have been coming up to me and going, well, geez, you know, I guess winter's finally here. Oh, it's so cold out. Oh, winter's here. You, it's freezing. I'm like, what the fucking bumblecut blood clot hell are you talking about? It's fucking plus 11 outside. Plus 11 degrees Celsius. 51.8 degrees Fahrenheit. 51.8 degrees Fahrenheit. 11 degrees Celsius. It's fucking boiling outside, you fucking idiot. It's the middle of fucking November. You know? It's like, what the fuck, man? I remember November used to be snow on the ground. Minus you know, 15 degrees Celsius. Here we are sitting at like plus 10, plus 11. People are going, it's freezing. Fucking dummies, man. Like I heard, I must've heard that like at least 10 times to the point in which I started getting in arguments with people, like semi arguments. I look, look at them and go, actually, I think it's very nice out. It's like plus 11 degrees in, in the very beginning of winter. Like, we're in like you know we're 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 well into november and it's like plus 10 degrees outside i don't know what you're talking about it's actually pretty warm i find it kind of strange what you're saying it's actually the complete opposite of what you're saying you're saying it's freezing outside and you could basically be wearing a t-shirt right now what the fuck are you even talking about but hey man like i told you <laughs> you, gotta, you don't have to get things personally you don't have to fucking take the bait and get get all debating with people but i don't know man Global warming deniers, man. And uh, mm. speaking of global warming, global issues, and Nazis, like I had earlier in the episode, um, yo, check this crazy story out. So apparently the state or the city, I'm not too sure what it is, the city, the German city, the German city of Dresden. So the German city of Dresden declares Nazi emergency. Achtung! Nazi emergency! So check this out. This is an article by Amy Woodyat from uh, CNN.com. Article by Amy Woodyat. Woodyat, Woodyat. Amy Woodyat. German city of Dresden declares Nazi emergency. The German city of Dresden has declared a Nazi emergency after years of right-wing extremist racist activity in the city, a local councillor says. Dresden city councillors this week passed a resolution warning that the far right was growing in strength in the eastern German city. The word Nazi-o, Nazi, you know, stand. That's not, I mean, I don't even know. Some German thing. 
The word Nazi Eno stand, N A Z I N O T S T A N D, is an exaggerated formulation for the fact that there is a serious problem similar to climate emergency. You know, yeah, it's not fucking boiling hot out in the middle of fucking November. Similar to the climate emergency, with a right-wing extremist right, with right-wing extremism, with right-wing extremism right up to the middle of society. Max Aschenbach, counselor for the satirist Die Partei, the party Die Partei, told CNN. Aschenbach who tabled the motion, told CNN the move was symbolic and would have no legal consequences, but that it served to highlight the threat posed by the far right in Dresden. Dresden is where the P-E-G-I-D-A, Pegida, 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 P-E-G-I-D-A movement, which is, uh, which stands for Patriotic Europeans against the Islamic Patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the West Islamization Islamization (laughs) That's a mouthful Islamization of the West So the P-E-G-I-D-A Pegeda Patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the West first emerged in 2013 and regularly rallies within the city. Anti-immigration sentiment runs high in the state of Saxony, of which Dresden is the capital. The alternative for Deutschland, AFD, the alternative for Deutschland, won 27.5% of the vote in this year's state election. The AFD became the first far-right party to enter German's national parliament in almost 60 years. Wow. When it came in third place overall in the federal elections in 2017. Aschenbach said his resolution, which was put forward to show commitment to a democratic, open, pluralistic society, was put to a vote by Dresden City Council on Wednesday and passed by 39 votes to 29. For years, politicians have failed to position themselves clearly and unequivocally against the right-wing extremists and to outlaw them, Aschenbach told CNN, adding that he wanted Dresden City Council to support citizens, initiatives, education, and culture in the city. A representative for the center-right Christian Democratic Union Party, which voted against the resolution, called it an intended provocation. Um, Jan Donhauser, Jan Donhauser, chairman of the CDU Group on Dresden Council, told CNN there was no state of emergency and that the world and the wording of the resolution was damaging to the city's international reputation. The choice of words in the title of the application does not do justice to the realities in our city. The vast majority of Dresdeners, Dresdeners are neither right-wing extremists nor anti-democratic, he said. Yeah, so there you have it. The city of Dresden in Germany. The city councillors, elected officials in the city, um, have called for a state of emergency 
due to the Nazi uh, sentiment in the city and the surrounding area. So, I mean, yo, that speaks volumes. You know, people are saying that, according to this article, there are some movements, some groups that are saying that it's an over-exaggeration. It's not true. It's giving a bad name to the Dresdeners. But why would city councillors, people that are affiliated, live, work, and serve the public of this city and the surrounding state, um, Saxony, I guess is the name of the surrounding area, I believe, according to the article? Huh? Uh, let's see. Yes. Um, dread, uh, yeah. So Dresden. Yeah. So like, why would these counselors do that? Hmm. Why would you bring negative attention to your city? Is that a way to get reelected? You know, they're speaking from the heart. They're popping up with what's going on in that area. And, you know, it's a very unsettling time. I mean, yo, I mean, if the Germans are saying that there's a no- there's a Nazi emergency, I think I'll take their fucking word for it. We invented the motherfucking thing. Shiver me wins win schnitzel. You know, if a fucking if a fucking German tells you there's a Nazi emergency, you best believe him, yeah. Get to goose step into your fucking local fucking your local fucking representative and talk these issues out, I guess. I don't know, man. Um You know, it's such a strange sentiment a person can have to want to engage in extremist far right I mean I mean I guess when it comes to the far right, a lot of it's based on, like, for example, there's figures in the American world, like Richard Spencer. He's an all-right, alt-right, far-right ideologue, right? And um, pundit. And Richard Spencer types, they believe in, like, you know, white supremacy, um, identity politics, separatist isolationist agenda he preaches a doctrine of nonviolence, but i mean come on whenever you start race wars generally a couple um you know paper cuts are bound to happen so you know the richard spencer types these far-right um nazi sympathizers um i don't know man how could you want to subscribe to such an ugly um historically wrong agenda in 2019. I'm all for um, cultural appreciation. Like if you are proud of your German heritage, if you are proud of your white heritage, so be it. But to the point in which you want to play identity politics, and not even so be it, that sounded weird. Like of course you should be proud of who you are, your history, your people. But to the point in which you want to play identity politics and to the point in which you want to draw lines in the sand and separate yourself from people and um, play like a race war, which, you know, most wars, <laughs> there's some sort of racial undertone behind anyway. It's very crazy and really ugly and dark. 
it's a you know ironically <laughs> ironically it's a very dark thing to become a nazi sympathizer so it's like i don't know man and uh i don't even know what i'm getting so fucking hot around the collar about man like i mean as a jewish person if to see that nazi emergency i'm spitzen i tell ya I tell you, I can't take it anymore. These Nazis are coming everywhere. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I, mean, I open the newspaper. I read in the newspaper this Nazi. I don't know what's going on in the world anymore. Oh, God. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh. Poor Jewish people, man. They must be out of their fucking mind reading headlines like that. Nazi emergency. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't know what to do. I'm reading the newspaper and they're telling me there's Nazis. I don't know what to do. You know, who am I supposed to believe? Am I supposed to believe that there's Nazis or there's no Nazis? I don't know what's going on here. Oh. Yeah. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Are you a Nazi sympathizer? What do you think about um, this Dresden situation in Germany? What do you think the solution is? You know, people are dying for a solution. You know, these far-right extremists, they want some sort of resolution for the issues that are near and dear to them which if we talk through hopefully we can find it's like what's the at the very bottom of this bullshit like what do you need where are your needs not getting met mr nazi how can we help you take off those fucking doc martens get you into a nice comfortable pair of like jordans and stop being such a fucking mental patient grow your hair a little bit longer stop with that flopped up looking fucking buzz cut and like do something with your fucking life. How can we help these morons? And maybe I can learn something from them. Maybe they, maybe I'm stupid. Like they can teach me something. You know, I'll teach you how to make a mechanical clock. Like, aren't aren't fucking Germans great at making clocks and shit? Maybe I can learn how to make a clock. Maybe they can learn how to, you know, I don't know, whatever the fuck, crip dance, crip walk. Maybe we can have more like, you know, they can hang out with Jewish people, learn how to eat matzo ball soup or whatever the fuck, like. Get together as people and stop with these fucking identity politics. And this craziness. Nazi emergency. Of course there's an emergency. If the fucking people of the city are telling you there's a Nazi emergency in their city, I think we should take their word for it. But anyways, hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What is your thought on this? You know? Free Deutschland! But on a more positive note... Too blessed to stress, but having a great uh, kind of uh, kickoff to the fall winter season. Very happy and fortunate. I got together with a buddy uh, last weekend, and we went for um, we went for. Uh, he's a buddy of mine from recovery, a buddy of mine in general, and um, it's always nice to catch up with a good friend, um, somebody you respect and uh, enjoy being around, and uh, you know. We've both come a long way in our recovery, and it was fun to just kind of catch up, and uh, we went for a meal, a very tasty little treat. Um, there's this restaurant in uh, in Toronto, Canada, and it's like a, I don't want to give out names and shit like that, you know? Um, play no games, say no names. So, like, but anyways, it's like this, like, seafood restaurant, and um, they specialize in, like, this, like, I guess like, uh, well, seafood, but it's like a very different way where it's like, uh, it comes in like a bag. It's like, it's like kind of like down, southern, down home type cooking or, 
you know, Louisiana, or like, I, I do declare, uh, would you all like some seafood? I do declare, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, real Cajun, oh, sure, bubblegum, bubblegum shrimp, Ooh, I love, my name's Benjamin Bluefoot, bubblegum shrimp, you know, like, down home, fucking Cajun, black plantation type seafood, right? So, like, it came in like this. It was really weird the way they served it. Because the dude's like, welcome to Place Place. You know, I'm gonna, whatever, I'm just making up a name. Welcome to Place Place. Uh, were you guys ready to order? So, like, we picked our order. And it's really cool. It's, like, all this fresh, like, you can pick, like, um, you know, like, uh, we ordered shrimp. Like, fresh from the market shrimps, mussels. And um, he's like, okay, that's what you're ordering. Cool. But just to let you know, we do it kind of differently here. We put it into a bag. We let everything marinate. And then we serve it to you in a bag. And it gets a little sloppy. gets a little whatever. You eat it with your hands, right? Okay. We're like, okay, cool. That's different. So we're talking and gabbing, reconnecting, you know, hanging out. All of a sudden, the dude, the waiter, real swell guy, real nice guy. But he sidles up next to us with like these two bags, right? He goes, here's your food. And he dumps these fucking bags, plop, just dumps these bags on our table, right? (laughs) Like, just think of, like, plastic bags filled with, like, you know, like, shrimp, uh, corn on the cob, potatoes, juices, marinade, just this, it looked like, ugh, (laughs) it was just so fucking awkward, just dumps these bags on our table, and it's like, uh, thanks, so then we have to rummage through these garbage bags. Like they give us like these gloves. You put these plastic gloves on, and you wear a bib, and then you just chow down. Like uh, I do declare, you, you you chow down. Oh Lord, get you some shrimp on that barbecue there, boy. You like chow down, old fucking down home hospitality style. And we're tearing into these fucking shrimp, mussels, corn on the cob, potato. We ordered like a basket of fries with some uh, fish. What do you call it? Fish sticks? No. Yeah, I guess fish. Yeah, fish. You know, fried fish. So it's this real kind of, real, I guess, kind of down, down to earth, down home type of seafood meal. Really hit the spot. Real tasty. Real fucking healthy. And it was awesome. And, uh, you know, we reconnected. We hung out. And, um, you know, we went to a couple. You know, we went to a fucking. <laughs> we went to a fucking um, pet store. He was buying a gift for a friend of his. You know. <laughs> you know, he's telling me these crazy stories about getting in fights with cats. I'm like, hey, man, do you like cats? Because he was, he was buying a gift for like. Um, he was buying a gift for his friend, right, who has a cat. And I'm like, yeah, so I guess, do you like animals? Do you like cats? He's like, I used to hate cats. And he tells me this crazy story of, like, getting into a fight with a cat. Just the way he said it. I used to hate cats. <laughs> People are looking at us. I'm like, oh, okay. That's not something to, de- that's not something to declare in a pet shop. I hate cats. <laughs> There's this poor little cat in a cage, too. He's like, meow, meow. He's, like, looking at us. I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. I don't hate, we don't, we don't, he used to hate cats. He doesn't hate cats anymore. <laughs> the cat's like looking at us all cross-eyed. 
So, you know, we went to the pet store, uh, bought some catnip, a little cat bunker, a little cat house. Cat house, bought a little cat house for this cat, and uh, you know we went to a bookstore. So yeah, we hung out, we reconnected, and you know those are the positive things to do in you know in life. And you know if people reconnected more and got more with people, you know hopefully they could see see a parallel, see the parallel that hey when you're hanging out with your friends and living a life, that's just what other people want. In life as well, you know, the people of Dresden, you know, this Nazi state of emergency, if these people can realize that, and, you know, if everybody can realize, because it's a cooperative co-op situation, if we could all get together, you know, unity, if we could all get together and just like, you know, chill the fuck out, we just want to make it through the day. That's what everybody wants, more or less, to make it through the day with their loved ones and their family and friends, you know, and be there for each other. Um, That day, this was like uh, this past Friday, you know, about a week ago. Well, not a week ago, like, you know, three, four days ago. Um, When I got when I got together with my friend for that meal, um, you know, I got the chance to rescue an old person. How often do you get to rescue old people? <laughs> it was funny, man. I'm standing by the fucking uh, subway station, right? And I see this old couple walking, right? And then I see this old guy. He just trips, right? He's like, <laughs> just trips and biffs it, right? He hits the curb, right? <laughs> He's like rolling around and shit, right? And his wife's like, oh my God, oh my God, Terry, Terry. I guess his name was Terry. She's like, Terry, Terry. Ah! He's like, <laughs> he's like rolling around on the ground. And I'm like, oh my God. So I, I run over and I, I'm like, oh, sir, can I help you? And I bent down and I'm trying to lift him up, right? She's like, Terry, Terry, give the man your arm. Give the man your arm, Terry. Give him your arm. So I take the man's arm and I helped Terry up, right? He's like, <laughs> I help, I help, you know, I help him up. And I was like, wow, dude, like, ooh, that's some rough, like, you know, they were doing a lot of, like, construction. They were tearing up the sidewalk and, you know, there was, like, all this uneven pavement and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, dude, that was just some bad sidewalk, you know. It's, you know, I was trying to give the man his respect back and I shook his hand and um, he's like, oh, oh, thank you, oh, thank you. And then they, they stumble off arm in arm, too, like, you know, like kind of like lovers you know it was this old couple it was real sweet they stumble off arm in arm and it took me a moment and then I was like wow and then I just burst out laughing <laughs> like have you ever seen an old person fall down like thank god he was thank god he was safe but he's like, <laughs> he's, like he's writhing on the ground I'm like get your old ass up what are you squawking about <laughs> Terry Terry! Oh my god! Terry! Terry was okay. Terry! It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms on anything you heard on this episode, do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. 
YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and abroad. The internet is a very friendly place. <laughs> so far. Not even so far, but ideally. So, you can hit me up at any of those places. And also my website, jr.thepodcast. Whoops, no. Uh, Jonathan-Ramtran.com. That's the website. And you can always email me, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Ahai. Uh-huh. <laughs>